This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, Next segment, we have to honor um, one of our uh, contestants in our Seinfeld side character tournament. Uh, passed away, I believe, at the age of 87 on um, Tuesday. Uh, so we will play some sound from from uh, a character that I think I liked more than you did, Mike. Yeah, and, you know, just in case anyone's worried or concerned, he did not get it from playing our tournament. We, we right. tested everyone afterwards. Yes. Everyone, we, we, all the tests came back positive or we had, negative. So. <laughs> yeah, not positive. Come <laughs> on, man. I meant clean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We had strict testing protocols. So um, they were all quarantined. Right. (laughs) So it was not due to that. But we will um, honor one of our contestants uh, who uh, passed away on Tuesday. Uh, So we'll do that next segment. Play one of my uh, one of my favorite clips. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, Uh, I'll talk some basketball in a second. First, let's talk to the weave. What's up, weave? Weave, are you there? Weave. All right, we've gone. Uh, we'll see if uh, we hear back uh, from the weave. But uh, talking a lot of baseball tonight with the um, proposal to the players, which uh, seems like a non-starter to me. Um, but uh, who do you side with on this? I just I don't know how you can side with the owners. I don't. And um, I, 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 I really do love when people are like, I don't side with either side. I side with baseball. It's like such a just cowardly stance. You got to take a side on this, um, and yeah, both should move off their spot. I agree with that, um, but one side's more right than the other, and the players are much closer to the side of being right than the owners are on this. And if the owners don't take the hit um, for the players and they don't take the hit for the financial losses, um, it's on them. And it makes me wonder. It really does. After this proposal that is so ridiculous from a standpoint of being something the players would even reasonably consider, it really makes me think um, maybe the owners have done the calculations and decided we'll lose less by not playing. And maybe they have decided at this point we're better off just not playing a season, going back at it next year. Um, I would caution against that uh, because if they decide to go that route, I think there are a lot of baseball fans uh, that are going to harbor resentment and and not come back to the sport um, and and be really irritated uh, by how all this plays out um, because uh, the country is, is really yearning for that sport and sports to watch over the summer. Um, and if they can't figure this out and it falls apart over money, regardless of who you blame, it's going to be something that's going to uh, lead people to harbor resentment for a long time. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, also we gave you the hockey um, uh, situation. They're going to do a 2014 playoff uh, round robin for the top four seeds who have a bye. Flyers in that group. Uh, So the Flyers um, would be playing a a round robin situation with Tampa, 
Boston, Washington to determine seeding. Uh, five to twelve would be what essentially the quarterfinals is. That's a best of five series. Haven't determined length of series beyond that until the conference finals, which conference finals, Stanley Cup final will still be seven games. Um, but the NHL at least has their playoff system figured out. Still haven't figured out the rest of it, which I think is the more confusing part. Um, but the NHL letting you know with certainty what the playoffs will look like <laughs> in that sport, even though Michael Wilbon was very confused. Very confused for reasons I still cannot understand. Um, and now I, I want to get into basketball here because the NBA throughout all this has been the league that I've been most confident in coming back in general and coming back in uh, the best way possible. Uh, I just think they are the league that is run the best. Um, you know, we have our issues with Adam Silver in this town, people who believed in what Sam Hinkie was doing and believed in the plan that he was trying to execute uh, because Adam Silver ran him out of town. I think that's pretty clear. But in general, I think Adam Silver um, has done a good job managing that league. Uh, he has a very good relationship with the Players Association, which is something that Rob Manfred does not have with baseball and is one of the, one of the, the gaps that is struggling to be bridged in that sport between the owners and the players when you don't have that middleman. You don't have that kind of unifying force in baseball. Adam Silver is that unifying force in basketball. We played sound last week from um, Adrian Wojnarowski talking to Jeff Hassan and saying how cordial the conversations were between Adam Silver and the players and the, the feedback that he was getting from players and the fact that um, – Everything seems to be running smoothly under Adam Silver's uh, stewardship. So where the NBA is right now, uh, they're talking about going down to Orlando uh, to finish the season. Looks like it's going to happen. Makes sense for a variety of different reasons. Uh, Disney being the parent company of ABC ESPN. ABC ESPN being the primary television partner of uh, the NBA. It just makes too much sense. For that not to be how this all plays out. Um, but what this is leading to is a lot of people offering different opinions on how the season should continue and what the NBA should do in terms of finishing out their season. And uh, this kind of goes to the whole stupid asterisk discussion, which it just I, I can't take that anymore. Like, it could not be dumber to me, the idea of, well, will we put an asterisk next to the title if somebody wins this year? Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Probably not even going to remember. If we do the playoffs the normal way, um, I would doubt that that's even something uh, that gets remembered. Like, do, do we think back to the 1999 lockout season? And is there an asterisk next to the uh, 1999 San Antonio Spurs? Like, is there an asterisk next to that team? Um, is, you know, is, is, are these things that we really end up remembering in the end? You know what? To that point, wasn't just last night we were saying we don't remember, like, one thing ever being talked about with that, that season? No, I, I don't remember anything about that season. But it, it was the, kind of a forgettable year. Well, it was the first year post Jordan, which I think leads to it as lends to it as well. Like, if the Bulls are playing the Spurs in the finals and Michael Jordan's leading the Bulls to another finals appearance, I think we remember it a, a lot better. And I don't think we look at it as, oh, that was the lockout year. We look at it as, uh, yeah, that was uh, the, you know, Michael Jordan going for his fourth in a row. Yeah, just a little bit of irony in that. That, like we just brought up last night about how it's never talked about. And then, right. You know, now you're saying that there's no asterisk. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, in a minute, we'll play some sound here uh, from Woj, uh, from his podcast. But when people bring that up, they always bring up, like, is this a legitimate season? Like, can we look at this as a legitimate season? We may look back and remember it was different, certainly. But the ideas that people are having, and this is what, what I don't understand, the ideas that people are having lend to it being looked at as an illegitimate season. Like, uh, it won't be looked at any differently 
if you do the playoffs the way that they're always done. But these the, the ideas that I'm seeing about let's do it World Cup style and let's do a group stage. And that guy, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, was you know, wrote a whole piece on it that I started to read. But it just it was just long and drawn out about how we should do it soccer style. Do it how European leagues do the soccer tournaments. Like, no, it, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you want to delegitimize a title. That's how you delegitimize a title. When you just decide, okay, we're going to do our postseason completely differently than we've ever done it before. And the idea that they had was, you know, you bring 20 teams back, you divide them into five groups, and the two best teams from each group after playing eight games or something move on to the playoffs. It's like, no, that's stupid. Just do the Western Conference, do the Eastern Conference, and play the playoffs. Um, don't cheapen, uh, you know, don't don't change your entire procedure. Like, people that are worried about that, it, it's just funny because they're talking about the asterisk and if this will be a legitimate season. Well, it won't be if you all of a sudden for one year just change everything about it. Like, you played it. It's not like you didn't play much of the regular season. If you wanted to do something different and you had only gotten through 35, 40 games, that would be significantly different situation. You had, what, 15 to 20 games left in the regular season in the NBA? And let's be honest, with 15 to 20 games left in the regular season, most teams are coasting anyway. Most teams are load managing their players. Do you remember watching the Sixers at the end of last year? They were sleepwalking into the playoffs. And B wasn't playing. The Sixers were going down. To, I, they, they were losing in, in Atlanta. They were losing all these games they had no business losing because they didn't care about the end of that year. That's the way most NBA teams are anyway. If you want to go and you want to play some games to uh, get guys in shape, even if you want to play a play-in tournament for the 7 and 8 seeds, I'm fine with that. You know, if you want to give some teams that were on the brink of the playoffs opportunities to get in, uh, I'd be fine with going that route. But changing everything and all of a sudden going to a World Cup-style format, it doesn't make sense. I'm worried about Silver doing it because Adam Silver seems like enamored with this idea of of the soccer style where he wanted to bring in like a mid-season uh, cup, a mid-season tournament. It's like, who would, who would give a damn about that? Seriously, what team that has an opportunity to win an NBA title would care about that? I guess, like, the Sacramento Kings would be excited. Maybe they finally win something. A team like that that is never has an opportunity uh, to win a championship. But it's just – the idea of that is just so dumb to me. I don't even like the other thing they're talking about, which is getting rid of the conferences and just seeding them 1-16 to 16, um, because – I, I I think that, why would you just change at this point? Why wouldn't you just do Western Conference, do Eastern Conference, do it the way you always do it? It doesn't make sense to me why you would change everything up. And for the people that are so worried about this being looked at as an illegitimate season, and people were looking at this being some kind of, some kind of um, illegitimate season, Result, uh, it would only be that if you change your whole postseason format. If you keep it the way it is and you just say, do what the NHL did. End the regular season. You want to give some other teams opportunities to get the 7-8 and eight seed. I'm fine with that. Um, but aside from that, going to the uh, World Cup group format, going to uh, you know merging the conferences together, it just doesn't make any sense um, for, for the NBA to go that route, and I don't know why people are trying to complicate this so much. Regular season pretty much over anyway. Just end it. Bring the teams back. Give them some games to get ready for the top seeds. Do a little play-in tournament for the 7 and 8 seeds because those teams probably going out pretty quickly anyway. Um, and uh, play, your, play your playoffs, and whoever wins 16 games wins – the uh, NBA title, just like always. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 
if you want to get in. When we get back, we will play some sound um, from uh, Woj, who did a podcast with Zach Lowe talking about all this stuff. Uh, so we will get to that next segment, play some sound about um, the uh, asterisk situation, which is it's just the dumbest debate. Should we put an asterisk next to this title? Uh, no, no. Whoever wins is going to win. They'll be the champions. And if the Sixers win, which I doubt they will, but if they do, uh, do you think we're going to really care? Do you think we're going to look at it as, as being a cheap title? No, absolutely not. So uh, sound on that and some of the other stuff the, that they're going back and forth on. We'll play that next. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. At the end of the segment here, we will have our tribute uh, to one of our contestants in our Seidenfeld side character tournament um, who passed away on Tuesday. Uh, We'll do that at the end of the segment here. Remember, Gabe coming next segment. Um, How many clips do we have from Gabe today, Mike, uh, in his update on the I-5 series with Dave Roberts? Yeah, we actually don't have any Gabe um, direct comments on that. But it's okay. I mean... We'll recap what happened, and then you'll see. There's really not much for him to say. Um, what we do have is, you know, talking about the, the, you know, the crowd noise, or whatever. A take on that with walk-up songs, an update on if he's working on his spitting, and um, now that their spring training site is open in Arizona, if he's going in at all. Okay, but this isn't directly from Gabe. No, it's from Gabe. It's uh, just not. We don't have any like official Gabe comments on the I-5 series. On the I-5, okay, yeah. gotcha. He was with the KMBR guys on Tuesday? Yeah, they just oh, moved God. a spot down a day. All right, well, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure it was – when's he going back in the box? When's he going back in the box, on the in the box podcast? Oh, uh, inside shelter? Oh, yeah. Shelter <laughs> shelter in place. Oh, I love those Inside guys. the box is what I thought it was. Yeah, th- those guys are pretty fun, to, uh, I would imagine, to have a Zoom with. Yeah, I, went, uh, I was hoping Gabe could get back in – uh, with those with those people soon, and do, do a podcast. I know you're a big goat guy, right? Yeah, I want to hear from that. I want to hear more from that guy. Try to get that guy on the show some night, uh, and and see what his deal is. Yeah. Um, but uh, he talk, might be free. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Get him, you know, three a.m. here is what midnight in California. He might be able yeah. to do that. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see if we can figure that out. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in uh, on the baseball proposal, which we had discussed at length earlier, um, with the owners and players seemingly more far apart than they have been at any point uh, during this process, and uh, not what you want to hear. When th- this week, this is the week that things need to come together for all these leagues, and if they don't have plans, they don't have agreements. I see it uh, being. I I have a very difficult time seeing those seasons and those sports being played this summer. So um, if you want to get in on that, you're welcome to. And right now talking about the NBA and uh, talking about a variety of topics with it. And I, I, I don't get the idea of people challenging the legitimacy of uh, a title. Um, and some of it, is it goes back to people saying, well, what if the best team doesn't win? The be- Very often the best team doesn't win. I've heard people say, like, well, you know, what would I have if the Houston Rockets win or the Sixers win or somebody like that? Like, it's only legitimate if the Lakers, Bucks, or Clippers win. Like, why? Like, are there ast- – like, say the 2010 Flyers, hypothetically, had won the Stanley Cup. Would we have looked at that and said, oh, they didn't get into the last day of the season. They just got hot in the playoffs. We got to we got to put an asterisk next to that. I mean, it was just four years ago the NBA crowned a champion because Draymond Green responded negatively to a grown man putting his groin on his face. Right, like so. like a seventy three win team didn't win a couple years ago. Like right. if 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 we just wanted the best team to win every year, then what's even the point of the playoffs? I don't know. Wilbon finds it so confusing that maybe we should just crown a regular season champion. Like, the, I don't remember in 2010 when the Flyers were on this great cup run, us being like, well, you know, it's not really legitimate. They, I mean, they, they didn't the get two, in. The Devils were the two seed. The Devils right. were the one. Right. They didn't get into the last day of the playoffs, so it, it doesn't really count. 
or the 2005 Steelers who were a six seed or the 2012 Ravens were a four seed. Like, who cares? The best team doesn't win. What does it matter? Why do people freak out over this? The Eagles were underdogs in every playoff game they they played. I mean, did did a lot of people think Toronto was going to win the title last year? Is a, no, Kawhi, Kawhi fake MVP. Uh, put an asterisk next to that MVP. Unless uh, unless the Warriors won it, that's the only way it's legitimate. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but, uh, you know, they have been off for a while. I guess why that's why some people think uh, they can question that legitimacy, even though they will have, what, six weeks to get ready to resume play. And I think in the end, the better teams will mostly end up winning. Um, but... Here is uh, Adrian Wojnarowski um, and Zach Lowe. They did a podcast together here. Uh, here are those guys talking about whether the NBA is concerned about the legitimacy of a title being won. What is at stake for the NBA is not whether the champion gets all their due on first take this year or with us or with anybody. The future of this league is at stake. How this league is going to look not just this year or next year, but for years to come, there are still potentially very dark scenarios for a lot of franchises financially and for the competitive balance of this league for small market teams who have no idea how, who, how they without fans next year or without revenue sharing are going to be able to put any kind of competitive team on the floor or pay their employees, I think I know that's what we talk about, but the, the legitimacy of the champion, while it is relevant and has value, how about the entire foundation and baseline of the league? And to me, whatever best pre- helps to preserve that to propel this league into whatever next year is going to look like is what the NBA should do, not how it affects the legacies of a few different individuals who might be on the championship team. I totally agree. Like, it, it's true. Like, who cares whether you, Michael Wilbon thinks, oh, is this a Kellerman, legitimate yeah. championship? Because I'll tell you what, if they, it, and they won't win it. They probably won't even be involved. But if the Chicago Bulls won a championship, I doubt Michael Wilbon would be all that outraged about it. Uh, or his beloved Blackhawks, as he said before. Um, but it, it – it shouldn't matter. Like this is still these are still the same teams that stopped playing in mid March, and I don't understand when people say, "Well, it's been too much time. You just got to cancel the season." So you want no champion? You just want nobody to get rewarded for this season? Uh, you go, you play the playoffs, um, and whoever wins four series wins the title, just like you always do. It's really not that complicated. Um, the next part of it is what I addressed last segment. These Kevin O'Connors of the world and these um, people who want to be innovators and do things differently. And it, this piece that I read, it was way too long just explaining about we need to do group play. We need to do it like the World Cup. And it was just it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Play the playoffs the way you always play the playoffs. Um, but I've heard a lot of people talk about this group play format being something the NBA should adopt um, for the remainder of this season. Uh, here is Zach Lowe and Woj talking about the group play aspect of it. What the objection I've heard for, uh, uh, to it is from the sort of solid mid-rung playoff teams who say, wait wait a second, wait a second. I- I'm in a group now, and New Orleans gets to be in this, okay? And, and Portland gets to be in this. These teams won 12, 13 games 12, fewer than, than we did. If if I have a bad week or one of my players gets the virus or Zion goes nuclear for four games, New Orleans gets a second round playoff spot and I go home and it, it doesn't even feel like I, I made the playoffs. That that doesn't seem fair to me. He's a hundred percent right because the way they're talking about it is the, the this idea that's on the table is um there would be four groups, all of five teams. They would all play each other twice. So you'd play eight games. So all of a sudden now, and this is why the group format makes no sense, because then you really are delegitimizing your season. You're totally throwing out your regular season, essentially. Um, 
because you're saying it doesn't matter where you finished in the regular season. If you're a top 20 team, we're going to divide you into groups, and we're basically going to have an eight-game regular season to determine who are the final eight remaining. And it's funny when he talks about mid-tier teams. Mike said it to me during the, the clip. That is the Sixers. Like, if this happens, the Sixers are a team that is being um, at, put, put at a disadvantage by this because you end up being a, a, a solid six seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't know. If you end up playing a couple games before the playoffs, you could move into the 4-5 matchup. That's not a horrible spot to be. But if you go into a match play format, you go down and you're playing eight games against uh, – four different opponents, you play them each twice, and he's right. If you don't end up advancing out of that, it's like you didn't even make the playoffs at all. Like, wh- wh- what, are, what are we doing here? Why are we over th- overthinking it to really help a team like the Pelicans? And I understand people like to see Zion, uh, but let them play for the 7-8 and eight seed. Do a little 7-8 and eight seed playing tournament, but putting all 20 teams, putting teams on a fair level of ground, like, could you imagine this? Think about this. Um, in terms of delegitimizing the season, when people talk about asterisks and stuff like this, if, say, you come back and you do a match play format and somehow the Lakers don't make it out of their group, then all of a sudden you're having a final playoff without the team that that was the best in the league or take the Bucks for example, and you end up having a playoff without – maybe your two best teams being in it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so the match play thing, I really hope that they decide to go away from that uh, because it really um, doesn't make any sense for the NBA to go that route. Uh, the other idea on the table is maybe getting rid of conferences. Uh, I find it interesting, um, but I also don't like it because I think it just – it changes too much. That's not the way we went into the season. That's not the way teams were planning. And again, something that probably puts the Sixers at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, but if you reseeded teams 1-16, to 16, uh, you would get rid of the conferences here uh, and just, you know, seed them straight through. Here is Woj and Zach Lowe on that. Everybody in the league has to be thinking about what's the best show we can put on here and – while also keeping the legitimacy of a playoff structure that crowns a legitimate NBA champion. Well, Brooklyn and Orlando will throw a fit at my plan, at any plan that jeopardizes their standing as cemented playoff teams um, in the East. And any, and as you said, all the East owners, probably all of them, would not want 1-16, to 16, even now, because I think some of them would view it as opening Pandora's box to one to 16 becoming a permanent thing, even though I don't, I don't think that's really on the table as anything like a permanent thing, even if they do it this year. And as I said, Milwaukee would be looking at a different bracket that now features them having to go through both LA teams, uh, Brooklyn and Orlando would say, wait a second, we were in the East all year. Why us? Yeah. And obviously the teams in the East will have a greater gripe because the Western conference is stronger. Now you ask how that would affect the Sixers. Sixers will be in a weird spot. Where if they're in the East uh, and they're the the sixth seed, uh, assuming you know you don't play any regular season games, seeding doesn't change or anything like that, they'd play Boston as the three seed. If you seeded one to sixteen straight down like that, um, the Sixers would still end up playing Boston because they'd be the twelve, and um, the Celtics would be the five. The difference would be though, and where it would work against the Sixers is if you reseeded all this, if the Sixers were to beat Boston, the second round matchup, because if you're in the East, the Sixers are playing what? The winner of Toronto, Orlando or Toronto, Brooklyn. Yeah. Toronto, Orlando. So, okay. Um, Toronto, tough matchup, but a series that you could conceivably see the Sixers winning. Yeah. I mean, I think they went one and one against each other this year. Um, well, there was the game in Toronto where Embiid didn't score. Yeah, and then there was a game like a week before Christmas. The the Sixers dominated them at home. They did. Yeah. That, oh, that makes sense. Um, may they may have lost another one there. I'm not sure. Did I could they? be wrong about it. I'm I'm not sure. But Toronto, I could see the Sixers beating Toronto in a series. Like that. That's something that um you could see happening. Now, if the Sixers got by Boston and it was just seeded one to sixteen straight out. 
they'd be facing the winner of the Clippers and Dallas in the second round. I wouldn't want to see either of those teams. Uh, well, I'd rather see Toronto than Dallas. <laughs> what if a pandemic causes the Sixers to have to play Kawhi in the second round yet again? Exactly. <laughs> You'd end up seeing Kawhi in the second round again. And and he's right. Like That's not fair to a team like Milwaukee that all of a sudden they got to beat the Clippers and the Lakers to win a title, and they had the best record in the league? Yeah, that would have been. Playing that's like not the, fair. They, they would have been playing the Pacers or the Heat in round two. Right. That's not fair. Um, so I don't see uh, – I, and I think that's going to be the downfall of that is the East won't let that through. But the, the one funny thing about that is hearing the rumors that if they – had, because if they reseed like that and they get rid of the conferences, the one sixteen matchup would be the Lakers and the Nets. And apparently if that's the case – KD's like pushing to come back and Kyrie's working out like I would the only reason why I might want to have that happen is to see a Brooklyn LA series in the first round because that would be pretty fun but that wouldn't be fair to the Lakers at all could you imagine being the Lakers and I well I guess you could say that wouldn't be fair to the Bucks. um but I feel like that's the only thing where KD only wants to come back if he's playing LeBron like, I feel like he's not playing LeBron. I don't think they're going to bring him back anyway. It doesn't make sense. Because you can have – I mean, this gives you an opportunity if you're Brooklyn well, to sit KD till Christmas now. They don't even have a coach, right? Yeah, who's their coach? They fired Atkinson. They, whoever the interim coach is. They were just going to play out the string. Yeah. Is it? I feel like Bernie Bickerstaff is like the, uh, the he's like the Pete or JB Bickerstaff. Yeah, he's like the interim coach of. I, I just feel like he's the interim coach of every team in the NBA. He's the Pete McCannon of the NBA. I think he actually does have a job now, but uh, as a head coach, maybe yeah, he, Memf- Memphis. No, because he took he, over for Jaeger there. No, Memphis hired a good young coach. Okay, uh, but it, to f- uh, follow up something earlier, you're correct. The Raptors did win two games at home. Okay, all right. Well, I'll take a win on that one. All right. And then, um, so that's all the playoff stuff. But the other thing with the NBA that they're trying to figure out, what do they do with the positive test? Here are um, Lowe and Woj talking about that uh, possibility. They can figure out the basketball. They've done that before. Uh, The risk is going in and starting something, Zach, that you can't finish. And that might be fairly disastrous. There are doomsday scenarios. There's no question about it. And there there is some number of players, particularly if it's starters or key rotation guys if they're out there is a breaking point at which a playoff series becomes untenable to continue and i don't know what that point is i don't know how many players that is i don't think the league has a hard figure for it if this were a case of player x test positive for the coronavirus now we have to quarantine in game before game three of the first round or something now we have to quarantine everyone on his team and everyone on the other team for an extended period of time, if that were the protocol, they wouldn't be able to do this because it just the, you would run out of time too quickly. Now, I don't know that the NBA yet has an exact answer for the question of what happens when a player tests positive. What happens, part of it will be, obviously, he is isolated and has to quarantine. It's more what happens to the other players. Yeah, and that that's going to be um, the aspect of this they're going to have to figure out is what happens to the other players. Because you can remove the guy who tests positive, but how do you know that he hasn't infected other players? And that's where it comes down to you know, the accuracy of the testing, whether there are false positives or false negatives. But I, I think the NBA can figure that stuff out. And, and I think if you really do the bubble aspect of it right, um, you you might be able to keep it out altogether. And it's going to be an interesting study on it. But you see um, sports around the globe, they seem to be able to resume. And, and I haven't heard of, of players testing positive. So hopefully the uh, leagues can learn uh, from what's been going on around the world and uh, incorporate that into their own policies. 215-592-9494. And before the break here, um, we got to pay tribute to Richard Hurd, who passed away on Tuesday. Um, a Seinfeld side character was in our tournament, I believe was a second round uh, participant. He won his first round matchup. I'm a much bigger fan than Mike was. Uh, but Mr. Wilhelm was the character that Richard Hurd played. who was George's boss with the Yankees. And uh, well, I picked out my favorite scene here uh, dealing with Mr. Wilhelm. And this is a great one. This is when George is suspected of 
What was stealing merchandise? Yeah, stealing merchandise, and he walks in on him on the phone ordering, uh, or in reference to shoes that he ordered from Jimmy. Right, right. And uh, Mr. Wilhelm at this point, already suspicious of George um, stealing merchandise from the Yankees and George uh, eating spicy chicken and therefore perspiring. Not a great time for that. Who's George? Oh, sports wholesalers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling back. No, no, no. I still got the shoes. Still got the shoes. Lots of them. Yeah, this is beautiful athletic here. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to call you right back. Yeah, all right. Mr. Wilhelm. So, George, have you heard anything about the missing equipment? No, no, not a thing. You know, George, there's nothing I hate more than a liar. Well, there's no room for someone like that in this organization. <laughs> Are you feeling all right, George? Yeah, fine. You look a little warm. It's a chicken. <laughs> You're a terrible liar, George. Look at you. You're a wreck. You're sweating bullets. It's the Kung Pao. Mm. George likes his chicken spicy. <laughs> George d- did like his chicken spicy. Um, but that was the my, my favorite Wilhelm clip um, involving him. George, George really is sorry that one, but... Uh, Mr. Wilhelm passed away on Tuesday, so another uh, great Seinfeld side character in our tournament. Um, so uh, pay tribute to Richard Hurd on this day. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, when we get back, time of the show you've all been waiting for, we will hear from Gabe Kapler. He did his check-in with the KNBR crew in San Francisco, and we'll get an update on his I-5 tournament. Um I don't know, some weird simulation he's doing against Dave Roberts. Uh, North California players, South California players. Uh, but we will uh, let you hear how that's going for Gabe. When we get back, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Henderson leads away from second. Drysdale checks it. Now the pitch to Bonds. Swung on, and that ball is blasted. You can forget about this one. What a shot to straightaway center field. And over everything. Maybe headed all the way to the Bay Bridge. An incredible home run by Bonds. Out into the parking lot and onto 16th Street, I think. If not all the way to the Bay Bridge. And Northern California has jumped ahead 2-0. Only two batters into the game. They actually they got John Miller to call these games. Yeah, big deal. Wow, he's a good broadcaster. I like John Miller. I liked when he was on the was he on the ESPN broadcast? I guess he was on Sunday Night Baseball for like twenty five years. Yeah, he's a good broadcaster. Um, but that I guess that's what happened in the that was a North Northern California Southern California game one. That's and right. That, and that was Gabe's. Mike let me know during the break that was Gabe's walk up song from two thousand eight, which ties in to only the wins here as I, I and I didn't know this Gabe was on the 2008 Brewers team that yep. the Phillies defeated in the playoffs um which we played yesterday um that was one of my favorite games to ever go to as a fan uh I was at that game sitting in the left field bleachers under Harry the K's in that uh second sec- section up there um and that Brett Myers at bat was one of the most incredible situations because um it, it like every time he fouled a pitch off it just got louder and louder and you could tell like and cc sabathia was so good that year you could tell he was rattled in that spot like you could tell it, i think it was just annoying him more than anything like i don't think he was like intimidated i think he was getting annoyed that brett Myers kept fouling off these pitches because yeah, you know if you're, you're on three days rest and you're trying to be you know economical with your pitch count right and you're like blown 10 pitches of this guy you got this damn pitcher up (laughs) there who they had two outs and obviously ends up not just working up at at the time you're thinking because well i think the phillies had one on one out or one on two out and at the time you're just thinking you know you run around first two outs work up the pitch count whatever turn the lineup over right it's not going to lead to any runs but then he finally works the walk then what did he walk Rollins after that? I think on four pitches that like weren't even close. Right, and then I remember sitting in left field and Victorino 
hits the fly to left, and that's kind of right under where I'm sitting. And I'm just thinking at the time, like, no way. No way. And it goes out, and that was just incredible, and the Phils never looked back after that. But um, Gabe on the losing side that day, the question is, was Gabe on the losing side yesterday? Yeah. You know, as you heard there, big start to the game. Ricky Henderson leadoff single, steal second. Bonds homers on the next pitch. Um, so Bonds is a Southern California guy. Northern California. I'm t- I finally Bonds' father up. played for the San Francisco Giants. He was, I think he was right. born out there. Yeah. Okay. And that's um, Gabe's team. Yeah. So they put up five runs in the first inning, and they had a six run uh, third inning where Bonds homered again, um, as well as uh, John Miller's former broadcast partner, Joe Morgan. They got up, jumped out to 11 nothing lead and cruised from there. So they take game one. Game two heads to Candlestick Park. So, uh, you know, Wait, so how, how many games are in this series? Best of seven. But why is it changing after game one? They're playing in seven different ballparks. Oh, okay. All in California or just around the country? No, all in California. So game one, uh, that was um, – he referenced in the cut, it, the ball rolls to like 16th and Bryant, he said, is out of the ballpark. Is the Giants old stadium? It was the, um, the Seals stadium. It okay. Was a, yeah, I think it was a minor league team. Before the Giants moved out there. Okay, so uh, Gabe loses game one. Uh, what is the— No, pick? Gabe won game one. He won game— uh, they, ju- thought, they, they won 11-6. Well, I asked you if he was victorious, and you said no. Well, I, I mean, don't know why— uh, Miscommunication, yeah. I guess. So what was the final score? 11-6. to 11-6. How did Tulowitzki do? Because we had the debate earlier. I thought he should have started Jimmy. I gotta be honest. I didn't go through every. <laughs> okay. I, I was I settled for the the lead or the the home run uh, in the first inning. No problem. I, I thought there was box. I thought they'd have a box score. This is all weird. I don't know. Do we know what the pitching matchup is for game two? If not, no big deal. I think it's Seaver and uh, Gabe's throwing Seaver. I don't know who's pitching for for the Southern. Okay. Well, we'll see who wins. I guess next week we'll have the result and results of this series. Uh, so we'll have to maybe we'll do a whole show. Maybe we we'll have the results the by Friday if they sweep. Right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so Gabe wins game one. Now um, Gabe did his weekly appearance on Tuesday this week. Usually goes on um, in San Francisco on Monday, but obviously um, uh, Memorial Day. So Gabe doing his interview on Tuesday. What What do we have from Gabe today, Mike? Yeah, we played that walk up song, and Gabe made an interesting comparison of walk up songs. Uh, to him, they're like tattoos. I've never made that connection before, but uh, Gabe explains that away. And it's really kind of a sign of the times. I think it kind of like like tattoos, by way of example. If you go back and you ask somebody about their twos, their tattoos, they always have a story about it. And when mm-hmm. I'm thinking about walkout songs, I, 2008, I was with the Milwaukee Brewers, and I had just started kind of practicing uh, meditation as like a visualization technique for for hitting. And so there was this old DJ Crush song. It was all instrumental, and I used it as a meditation song, like a five, mm. six-minute breathing session. So I walked up to the plate in Milwaukee 2008 with the Brewers. We went to the playoffs that year to this kind of, like, meditative, um, you know, hip-hop track from, from DJ Crush. And, yeah, like, to your point, that felt like it really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I would definitely want them to keep replaying that one and not mix it up. <laughs> So Gabe um, enjoyed his walk-up song, so it was it helped him meditate as he was going to the plate. He slipped in that they had a good year, as if like the two things are connected. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. I, we we had a really good year. Like <laughs> his season was really uh, great because of his walk-up song. I don't think it really mattered that much. Um, but uh, what what else do we have from Gabe? All right. So remember last week we played a spit routine about uh, how how could I, tre- how could I forget? Yeah, it's going to be a tremendous challenge for him. The guys checked in to see how he's doing with, uh, I guess, kind of quitting cold turkey. Have you worked on controlling your spitting? (laughs) (laughs) I I understand why you bring that up. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's one of those interesting things. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out on that front. We're talking uh, okay, to Gabe. I know the answer. Thank you. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna see you're gonna see Gabe dive after something. He'd be like, "Oh, I spit. I gotta catch that." Oh, no. I mean, look, there, there's a very there's a very real chance. All things, oh yeah. You know, right? Like that's yeah. that's a real possibility. Of course. Wow. Yeah. Well, spitting would, would not be good then. I guess yeah, that, that would not that'll be good. cure you really quick. Oh man. Sl- you get you get the spit back in your face on a wet rag. One that's of the what notes. I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> 
these guys continue to get weirder every week. Like, uh, what, what, like, like they are so awkward. They are so. These interviews are so awkward. They are so like it. It, it makes me cringe. Listen, not even listen to Gabe. Like, I actually enjoy the parts listening to Gabe, but listen to these guys is just so awkward. And but but Gabe said, you know, I I understand why you bring that up. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. It won't be interesting to see how it plays out at all. It's, I mean, it's a non-negotiable thing. <laughs> it's no, there's nothing about it interesting at all. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really get it. Do we have any more from Gabe today? Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, their facility in Scottsdale is open back up, obviously with certain protocols and certain restrictions. Apparently, they can only have three coaches in at a time. Now, Gabe explains why he's letting the other coaches show up while he chills at home. I don't know. Tom, you what do you think after the after, after we play? Tell if you think this is a convenient excuse to call out of work, or if there's a good reason behind it. No, it's, it's that's interesting, and I'll, and I'll share. Um, so Scottsdale Stadium is right down the street from where I'm staying. Mm-hmm. However, um, we have the ability to have three coaches at any given time in the facility. Dave Greshner and our medical team are there and and running point. They're doing a tremendous job. But if I go in, that means one of our position coaches who's going to be responsible for getting Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria, who are there, ready to play defense, or one of our hitting coaches who's in there with with Hunter Pence, who is hitting bombs today in in batting practice, people were raving about that, then I'm there. That means they can't be there. And right now I made the decision that that it's more important that they're they're in the facility. uh, Obviously, understandably smart. (laughs) <laughs> understandably smart um uh, yeah that does seem like an ex- uh, a convenient excuse i like when gabe um said hunter hunter pence who's hitting bombs by the way <laughs> right. hunter pence is still hitting i didn't even know he's still playing baseball yeah they brought him back um yeah he went away for a year in texas hit pretty well against left-handed pitching he's kind of now a platoon player if anything yeah, um, but Hunter Pence hitting bombs, and then Gabe, Gabe, pretty much saying, admitting that he doesn't have that much impact. If the other coaches right. have more impact than yeah. him, yeah. So it's either he doesn't feel like working, which knowing Gabe, I don't think that's it. No, like, Gabe, we can rule that out. Gabe's a meticulous worker, so, or maybe he's maybe he's become um, addicted to video games. So, maybe he's hooked on the show and he can't leave. It's instead, I'm too useless. I'd be taking up a spot from somebody more useful than me. So I'm going to let somebody under under me be more useful that's while, more, while I sit out. That's more or less what he said. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what he said. Um, a- any more or is that it today? No, that's it for today. So okay. uh, best of luck to Gabe in game two, and uh, we'll be rooting him on. Yeah, well, well done, Mike. Thank you for uh, pulling that audio uh, of Gabe. We'll uh, see what Gabe's got next week, um, next Monday, when uh, he, he goes back on um with KNBR maybe he'll go b- back inside the box um we'll, we'll see where where Gabe where Gabe is he always finds a way uh to to get on a microphone and give us sound to use so we appreciate that uh 215-592-9494 when we get back I want to uh kind of recap some of the things that we've been discussing and also one final thing from the last dance um that I haven't gotten to yet um one former bull really not happy with a lot of the um, a lot of the things uh, that were said and how he was portrayed, uh, so we'll play some of that sound when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham with you for another segment here. Uh, if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. We almost had a uh, early something show. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I, I was I ran to the ran to the bathroom real quick, and I I'm telling you, it's that it's that stupid soap thing. I've been telling you for so long, Mike. That soap dispenser. Yeah, you've been telling me for so long. You love to touch. No, you. It ended dispensers. up my my take ended poorly. Because I said I didn't, well, I don't like the automatic <laughs> soap right dispenser. the coronavirus. Because they don't always work. I have my hand under it, and I'm moving my hand trying to get the soap to dispense. It will not dispense. Um, and finally, I got it to work. And I'm walking back, and the music's playing, and Mike's, like, directing me in. 
uh, to yeah, the studio. Yeah, I was about to jump on. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm telling you. it's the, And then the hand dryer thing doesn't work great. Yeah, that was the other thing. You, you just love touching. No, was, well. Because before the coronavirus, you love touching. Before the coronavirus, I, di- I just thought it was easier to just pump the soap. If I'm washing my hands anyway, uh, I didn't think it was that big a deal to pump it and then wash my hands and then, you know, dry them. But um, now I, I do see that I don't want to. Now I don't want to touch anything. Uh, but those soap dispensers, they don't always work right. The, the automatic ones. I, I, do you, am I the only person who uh, has these issues? Maybe. I wouldn't want the trade-off. No, I think you're right in the end, um, but it's those damn soap, soap dispensers. Uh, 215-592-9494. Um, if you want to get in here, uh, most of the night talking about the Major League Baseball proposal, which um, – it's just a non-starter, and uh, you know, I was. Ho- I think everybody's hoping that this initial proposal from the owners would be a jumping-off point, and not that anything was going to be agreed upon, because I think we all kind of knew that this was going to be a back and forth. Players would come back with their uh, counter, and hopefully by the end of the week we'd have something. But I'm starting to question whether the owners really want to play this season, like. When you hear some reports say the owners would lose more if they play than if they don't play, um, I'm wondering how much they really care. Because this proposal on Tuesday is nowhere close to what you're going to get the players to agree to. You're asking some players, and granted they are the higher um, paid players in Major League Baseball, to be playing half a season for 20% of what they signed for, they, they know how that's going to go over with the Players Association. They know that's not something that is anywhere close to being agreed to. And they play it both ways where they're going to say, we'll give most of the prorated salaries to the lower-end players uh, to make it look like they're taking care of the guys that need the money. Yet at the same time, they're not paying the minor leaguers. The, the Oakland A's announced they're not going to play pay their minor leaguers a dime this year. And um, you know how much it would cost them to pay all their minor league players? Just north of a million dollars. And that's not something the Oakland A's are willing to do. Um, the owners should be taking this hit. I've said it for weeks. They are the ones who should be taking this hit. Now, instead of them taking it, they're looking to put it on the higher-priced players in Major League Baseball, the guys who truly make the money for the league. Uh, the owners, uh, no, nobody's watching the games to watch, you know, them sit in a box. We're, we're paying and we're watching the games to watch these guys on the field. They are already agreeing to pay the play for half. I think they are agreeing to go even further. But when the owners, you know, send out this kind of proposal, which has guys, the majority of the league, playing for 25 to 35% of what they would have originally gotten, uh, that's not going to go over. And the owners know that uh, full well. Um, also, we've discussed the NHL going to their 2014 playoff format. Um, should be interesting. I mean, we, we don't know much else other than that. Uh, they still don't know what cities they're playing in. They still have to figure out the health side of it. Um, but they have at least figured out what the NBA is still trying to, uh, that they will do a 2014 playoff tournament. Flyers, in an interesting situation where they're a top four seed in their conference, they'll play a round robin. Um, as Al told us all this yesterday before they announced it. But uh, the Flyers, I guess, will play Boston, Tampa, and Washington um, to determine seeding there. So that's what the NHL is looking like. And then the NBA, they're still trying to figure out their postseason structure. Um but I really hope they don't go to this World Cup uh, group stage format, which wouldn't be fair to a lot of teams. And one of the teams that would suffer, I, I think, the most would be uh, the Sixers, considering where they are in the standings and being in the weaker of the conferences uh, in the East. 215-592-9494. And over the past few weeks, we talked a lot about the, um, about the, uh, the, the last dance and uh, the Michael Jordan documentary that has been going on on ESPN, which I love. Um, And one of these stories that has come out of this, um, 
that has taken you know a lot of a lot of attention over the last several weeks is the portrayal of of different players and especially Horace Grant who let's face it was a pretty important player on those first three championship teams really was the guy in the Dennis Rodman role um from 91 to 93 I don't really remember that as well I remember the second three Pete uh pretty well with Rodman and the Jazz series especially I don't really remember that first three Pete but Horace Grant was a critical piece of that team um but uh he did not if you believe what you saw in the documentary which has to be taken with a grain of salt considering Michael Jordan had a lot of say over it um Horace Grant didn't come off all that well and obviously Horace Grant and Michael Jordan do not in any way have a good relationship and a lot of that stems from uh the Sam Stein book that came out in I believe 93 the Jordan rules where uh it uh, there were quotes in there from a bull source uh, and a lot of derogatory quotes about Michael Jordan, about what's going on in the locker room, uh, about what kind of teammate he was. And, I mean, Jordan came out in the documentary and said flat out, Horace Grant was the guy who, who leaked all this stuff. Um, Horace Grant has taken big-time exception to this. Uh, he thinks he has not been portrayed well, um, and he absolutely says he was not the person who leaked this information. Here's Horace Grant on whether he was the source in that book, The Jordan Rule. Listen, let me tell you, man. That's a damn lie. I wish I could say something else, but that's a damn lie. You know, Sam Smith was an investigative reporter. And when you write a book, I guess you have to have two sources, correct? Correct. Why would MJ just point me out? If you guys have a problem with me, come to me. Then we can take care of it like men. Don't try to put me out there because I didn't uh, say anything to Sam in the sink in the sanctity of that locker room. Point point blank. And one example, Sam spent more time with a lot of other uh, my teammates. He even spent time with MJ up in the MJ suite and on the golf course and lunch and dinners. So for him to come out and say that, that's just a, a, a blinking lie. Lie, lie, lie. If you want to tell lies, go ahead. You know, it's a big country. <laughs> so that, that sound, by the way, is courtesy of BET. And I think I uh, had said Sam Stein. It's Sam Smith who wrote that book. Um, <laughs> I thought you, the first time you said it, I thought you said Stamp, Sam Smythe. I was like, that's an interesting way of pronouncing Smith. No, I think I said Sam Stein, but it was Sam Smith. So obviously Horace Grant, um, he claims he wasn't the guy who leaked that information. And the odds are, you know, there, there was so much information in that book. Um, and the, uh, the, the, it probably wasn't just one person. It was probably several people, as B.J. Armstrong um, indicated during the documentary. Yeah, and it, it was... Uh, the final dance presented by Bet Online. Oh, Bet Online. I thought it was BET. Sorry. You said, uh, yeah. And you final, admitted the list. No, right? Mike, and that's exactly what Mike wrote on there. Uh, so the final dance special on Bet Online's YouTube page. Thank you, Mike. Um, so, uh, what about proper credit? Right. Got to give out the proper credit. Um, another thing that made Horace Grant not look very good during this was the rumors that Michael Jordan, after bad games, would starve him on planes and not allow him to eat. Uh, here's Horace Grant on that issue. I know, I mean, I wasn't there, in, in, you know, for the second three people, but I knew most of some of the guys on that team, and I know damn well if you're going to call Hart and a, a few other guys that, that are and hoes, they weren't going to stand for that. I'm pretty sure they edited that out of the documentary that Hart going back, back at him on that. But saying that, let me clear something up about this food thing, that he tried to take my food. I was just going to ask you. Listen, <laughs> listen to me. I, I, I would have beat his ass, guys. <laughs> he can say to the stewardess all he want to, oh, yeah, he shouldn't eat. That's okay. Go ahead. You know, I'm going to say what I have to say. But you come back and try to take my food. 
I would I would have whipped his ass. It wouldn't be no Air Jordan right now. Right. Okay. <laughs> Bill, Bill, stop the fight, Bill, stop the fight, Bill. Hey, hey. Yeah, it wouldn't be no six championships. I guarantee you that. I mean, that's pretty easy to say after the fact. Um, I I don't know if I believe that one that Michael would. I, I could actually see that being true. I could see Michael Jordan trying to do that, but Dude, I'm not. Why would Jordan intentionally like lie about that? Like. There's no, like, yeah. all it does is look bad. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say after the fact he would have knocked him out. Uh, he obviously never <laughs> did when you guys played together, and Jordan was obviously a jerk to you. Uh, according to a lot of people, the only guy that stood up to him was, like, Bill Cartwright, and that was the only person that he didn't mess with. Um, but this last one is the most interesting. I actually think Horace Grant, at the end of it, makes a very good point. Um, but... Uh, you know, he obviously takes a, a lot of offense to being called a snitch. And uh, Horace Grant um, obviously didn't like that, uh, didn't like the portrayal of Scottie Pippen in this documentary as well. Um, here's Horace Grant on Michael Jordan being the actual snitch. It was straight up bullshit. It was straight up, straight up bullshit what they, how they portrayed uh, Scottie. I mean, in terms of, being the number two on that team um, um, and how he came out, I mean, in, in terms of um, against Utah, um, could, could barely walk, like how I said, setting screens, um, getting knocked on the floor, the whole nine yards. And for them, that documentary, they called him, well, MJ called him selfish. That's some BS. That's straight up BS. If it wasn't for Scottie Pippen, there would be no six championships. I'm telling you right now, guys. I mean, the first championship, uh, I think MJ got in foul trouble with uh, against against the Lakers and Magic. Who came to the rescue? Number 33, Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen. And yes, indeed, he made a mistake. We addressed that after the game. And it was over with. And we took the Knicks to uh, uh, seven games. And my question is, how in the hell did that get on this documentary when MJ ass wasn't even on the team? <laughs> never thought of that, brother. I never thought about that. That's never thought about that. That's very interesting. And and for let me let me get back to something because I have to I have to vent now. I got this opportunity. Didn't he? Call all of his former teammates out with the cocaine and the weed and the women. So who's the snitch? I love the end of that <laughs> clip. It's not a bad, I mean, that's really not a bad point by Horace Grant. Yeah, I mean, Jordan really did sell all those guys out there. I, well, it's like, it, but all right, yeah, the last part, fine. The first part, you know, I think he used BS four times. The first part's BS. Scottie Pippen elected to not make himself fit to perform at the start of the season because he wouldn't enjoy his summer, in his words. Mm -hmm. His words, not Jordan's words. His words. Right. <laughs> what does foul trouble from seven years ago have to do with anything? He's still selfish for doing that. Um, yeah, yeah. I No, I agree with that. Um, but I will say, he, uh, no matter what he said, though, he culminated it really nicely. Like, he brought it back in the end when he's, you know, who was the guy snitching about the, the women and the weed and the cocaine and all that stuff? And then the way he ends it, who, who's the bleeping snitch? I mean, you can't disagree with that. I mean, that that's 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 a good point. So, um, in the end, I, I like Horace Grant at least coming out and, and giving us something to talk about. Yeah, I like the, the previous cut, too. And he's been on the Zoom call for, like, 40 minutes at this point on a laptop. It's pretty clear where the camera is. And he goes... Wait a minute, where's the camera? Yeah, yeah, he wanted the camera for that one. So uh, thank you to Horace Grant. That uh, will conclude our last dance um, uh, conversation, at least for now. We'll see uh, if anything else comes of it. Um, but uh, I'm excited. I I'm wondering what they're going to do next last dance on. Um, I'd like to see one on Barry Bonds. Uh, I'd like to see one on Tiger. Uh, I think that's one that down the road will have to get done. I guess Monday morning you and I could talk about the Roy Halliday one. Yeah, yeah. Is that Aaron Sunday? Friday. Oh, Friday. All right, good. Yeah, I want to watch that. So, yeah, we'll talk about that on Monday morning. Thanks to Mike producing the show tonight. Um, 
I'll be back with you uh, Saturday into Sunday um, next time I'm on. Uh, next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.